is this thing on? <laughs> Hi, it's Emily Lawler of MLive.com, back with a bonus episode of Mandatory. If you're just tuning in, Mandatory is the story of three Michigan brothers whose companies have spent decades soliciting businesses for products and services they sometimes don't need or can get elsewhere for free. In episode three, I introduced you to the legal history of the initial company, the Mandatory Poster Agency, in Michigan. After that aired, I was thrilled to hear from Mike Cox, the former attorney general whose office went after the company but who later defended them against the next attorney general in court. He contacted me on behalf of ANS Inc. It's one of the newer companies owned by Stephen Feta. I'm a Michigan political reporter, so of course his name in my inbox caught my attention. But so did his pitch. Quote, while ANS or Steve Feta are not curing cancer, they do provide a service for harried small business folks. <laughs> so we connected. Here's our interview, edited slightly for length, clarity, and audio quality. I'm here today with Mike Cox, who I'm excited to talk to. Um, you probably know his name if you've followed Michigan and uh, Michigan politics at all. He was the former attorney general of Michigan. Um, and you were introduced to him in mandatory as a defense attorney for the Feta brothers as well. Um, we are both heavily involved in politics. I'm a political reporter, um, and he is a longtime political figure, but we missed each other in Lansing. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike, but uh, just 2011 happens to be right when I started and uh, right when you uh, couldn't be caught in the city every day anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're much younger than me, and that's a good thing for you. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, but I was hoping you could kind of start me off at the the very beginning of your um, journey with the the Feta brothers. Like, when did you sure. first hear that name? When did you first learn about the mandatory poster agency? Yeah, you know, truthfully, I, I'm uncertain as to whether I was aware of them when I was in office. Uh, I'm sure I. So when I was in the office, we used to have this thing called hot topics. So every division every week. Would tell, send me their biggest cases. So I'm sure I, I read about them, uh, but when we took action against them in 2006 or seven, uh, I didn't really remember that. Uh, but out of the blue, I think in 2014 or 15, they called me and they said, you know, we think we've got a raw deal. Uh, we think the attorney general doesn't understand what we do or how many people we touch. And we're really not, uh, you know, we, we provide a real service. So I Googled them and I was a little put back and I'm like, well, you know, let me, let's talk. So uh, they talked to me and when I heard them talk about what they do, it was really sounded like legal zoom to me, right? Uh, except they didn't have Robert Shapiro, whoever does their commercials now. And we Re talked to them. Rewind for like, what, what is legal zoom? What is the comparison? Well, uh, legal zoom helps people prepare legal documents, documents, uh, that may or may not be mandatory, whether it's wills or whether it's setting up LLCs. You know, uh, you don't need LegalZoom to set up LLC. You don't need a lawyer to set up LLC. But every day, my office, or not every day, but a couple times a month, we get small business people say, help us set up an LLC. And usually we'll, we'll tell them, look, if, if, it's, if it's just you, you can do it yourself, right? Or go to LegalZoom, be cheaper. Uh, usually it's when there's more than one person, it helps to get an attorney. 
but it's not mandatory because you have to do what's called an operating agreement. So long story short, uh, they walked me through their products and it was kind of funny. Uh, so I'm on the Michigan Chamber board, right, right now. And I remember when I joined the Michigan Chamber soon after I left office and set up my own law firm. And out of the blue one day, I got a OSHA poster. Uh, it was kind of the old fashioned and a big, long rolled up car, uh, cardboard tube. And uh, so I opened it up and, it, and I realized, oh, I was supposed to post this in the common area for the employees. And, uh, you know, at that time, I represented mandatory poster and that was one of their kind of products. And quite frankly, had I not been a member of the Michigan Chamber, I wouldn't have been aware of any legal obligation from the U.S. Department of Labor. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, if any of your listeners just Google, uh, you know, mandatory postings or mandatory workplace postings, you're going to be taken to U.S. Department of Labor website, which there's going to be at least nine or 10 listed there. Now, some of them are based on the size of the company or what they're doing. But nonetheless, there's this whole world of regulation out there that many folks don't understand. And so really what they explained to me, and I really found to be the case, is they sell convenience. They sell peace of mind. And they sell it at a much cheaper cost than their competitors. And who are their competitors? Well, some of their competitors are me, right? Because uh, in the sense that they help people uh, navigate uh, legal questions in a way someone may get an attorney, or like I said, LegalZoom, because I think most people have seen LegalZoom commercials. Now, not every ANS product isn't like LegalZoom, but in some, they, some of the products, they do compete against each other. And mm -hmm. I, I think I'm often reminded, because they're so prominent now, the DeVos family. I remember when I was much younger, and, and Emily, you may not have even been born yet, they were on 60 Minutes all the time, Amway was. And they were being prosecuted by states, by the U.S. Uh, US federal government, uh, FTC, by Canadian authorities for being a uh, pyramid scheme. And lo and behold, 30 years later, as they explained what they did, people understood they have a real product. They're just like Procter & Gamble. They just don't advertise. They use people. Instead of the billions that Procter & Gamble uses to spend on advertising, Amway uh, would use that advertising money to incentivize people to make sales. And I really think that's been the issue here. ANS and before it mandatory poster have had a, a PR problem. Uh, now, sometimes do they run into dissatisfied customers? Yeah. Uh, and, but the reality is uh, every year, ANS uh, reaches, sends out almost, has almost 2 million customer, potential customer contacts. And yet, uh, the amount of complaints are over a period of five, six, 10 years are 20, 30, 40. And so ANS has, has touched 11 million different businesses since it started, I think, five years ago. So uh, given that amount of contact, there's going to be some complaints. And there's going to be some people who say, you know, you're not giving me a great value. And, you know, we say, if, if you don't like our service, don't. Don't buy us and don't come back to us. And right now, uh, our return customer rate's about 30%. Uh, you know, it varies from year to year, but it's about 30%. So clearly amongst those uh, 1.8, 1.9 million people that we are business we contact every year, uh, there's a number who do find value. 
And I should clarify too, your relationship. So you were um, working for, it would have been mandatory poster in 2015. Right. Do you currently do work with, with ANS or, or any of that? Yeah, yes. I, yeah, I, I've, I've done some work with ANS most recently. Gotcha. So, you know, I guess there's sort of like a, a spectrum of products that people um, expect to be sold, right? Like I, I expect people to, um, you know, maybe walk into my office and tell me about their toner cartridges or, um, you know, fix some of those more material um, aspects of running a business. But I think that what attorneys general across the, the nation have taken issue with is sort of the way that they um, go about selling their goods, um, which in some ways is extraordinarily simple, right? Like getting a letter in the mail is probably one right. of the, the oldest ways to do that. Um, but in other ways is a little bit, you know, it feels a little, um, I think that attorneys general have argued that it's a little deceptive sometimes that people don't realize that this isn't coming from a government agency and that, you know, businesses who are just buried in the bureaucracy and the paperwork, um, you know, don't necessarily under read all the fine print to notice that um, this isn't something they have to send off a check for. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, like I run a small business, right? And I started with scratch. Uh, my wife helped me out with paperwork early on. And I, I read everything. And the reality is uh, most small business men and women do read the fine print. And uh, like I say, with 11 million contacts in five, six years and so few uh, complaints that really the numbers tell the story. So using the term mandatory poster agency, does that catch uh, uh, a customer's attention? Of course it does. Uh, but every business tries to differentiate itself and tries to capture their would-be customer's attention. And quite frankly, a number of the, of the products, some of the products we sell are uh, not mandated, but are helpful, and some are mandated. And so we want to catch the customer's attention. And as, as you discussed in one of your podcasts, you look at it, and it is in big, bigger font or big enough font that we are not a government agency. Uh, but do we want you to open the envelope? Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Uh, no more so than everyone advertising the Super Bowl or advertising right now in the Olympics. Why don't you take a, a second look at their product? Why go through the trouble of renting a P.O. box in every capital city uh, or in a lot of capital cities if the intent isn't to be deceptive? Like, you know, for the end customer, for me to mail something to, oh, I'm a bad example because I'm in Michigan, but for, for someone in Florida to mail something to Tallahassee versus Michigan costs the same amount. Like there's no cost savings for the end uh, customer. Um, and it does seem like a lot of people, you know, it doesn't raise a red flag for people that this might not be a, a government agency if they're mailing something to their state capital. Well, again, I, I think that's just, they want people to feel comfortable that there's a local touch. I mean, why for decades have auto dealers or excuse me, big car companies sold through local franchises? You know, they, they want a local content. Uh, do we have a presence every single state in terms of employees? No, because uh, what we do is we do, we sell a very cheap, low cost alternative to our competitors, meaning local accountants, local lawyers. And if we staffed everywhere, we wouldn't be able to offer it at the prices that we do. You know, if someone wants to say that's deceptive, then 
don't use our product. There's all kinds of things out there on the internet that you or I might look at and say, why in the world would someone buy that? Why in the world that? And, and it has no appeal to us, won't help us in any form or fashion. And we will scratch our heads as to why do other people you know, buy that thing? Uh, and if that's, if that's how regulators or customers or would-be customers feel about it, then don't buy our product. I mean, uh, that's, that's the reality. What do you think makes this like touch a nerve with people? Um, you know, it seems like a lot of people, you know, whatever, they might see the, the widget on the internet or I'm just going to, I'm going to throw a product under the bus, a selfie stick on the internet right, right. <laughs> and think, why would anyone buy that? But it's, you know, clearly being marketed and sold as a product, but it does seem like the, the layer of people, you know, sort of almost mailing off a check and not realizing that they weren't sending it to the government um, is, is sort of what touches the nerve. Uh, has that been your impression? Well, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a perception of regulators. Like I said, uh, I was leery, you know, before I took a deeper dive uh, and looked at and said, yeah, are, are they marking up what someone could go find and do on them, them by themselves? Yes, uh, absolutely. Every business in America marks up their product, right? Um, you know, MLive, when they sell advertising, uh, they, they hopefully mark it up a little bit so they can get a little bit more than what it costs to pay the big salary of Emily Lawler, right? So, uh, uh, and do they do the same thing? Yes, but like I say, part of it is they sell peace of mind and convenience. It's like for a harried businessman or woman, okay, that's one less thing I have to take care of and spend time on. So the fact that it costs me, if, if register, you know, setting my, my LLC, uh, if I can do it for $25 uh, and, and do the automatic renewals and, and I can pay someone else and I don't have to think about it and I don't have to pay attention every February when I'm supposed to redo it again and it's an extra $50 and I can spend that time on making money as opposed to spending more money, that's for a lot of people say that's that's a good decision for me. So. As a former attorney general, one of the big responsibilities of that office is consumer protection. And I'm sure that, um, you know, some of those cases crossed your radar over the years. But in your mind, is this just not a product or a business or a service that people need need protecting from? Yes, because it, and, and a couple of things, you know, the Michigan Consumer Protection Act is written to protect end user consumers not business to business. This is a business to business. So uh, we only market to folks who've set up a business entity, like we use FOIA and buy lists like a million other businesses do to sell to other businesses. So I would argue this isn't even really covered by the Michigan Consumer Protection Act uh, because it's not an end user like you or I buying something from Amazon. Uh, these are businesses. Uh, but, but that being said, um, you know, again, our, our thing is uh, if we have disclaimers on the product, uh, do we want to get your attention? Yes. And quite frankly, we're a very low cost alternative. And, uh, you know, our competitors are people like me, lawyers and, and legal Zoom. So uh, I, I think at the end of the but Emily, do I get why at least at first blush, an AG's office would be a little worried about it. Sure. 
Uh, but we're not selling snake oil. We're selling a product that actually uh, has a functional use. And are we marking it up? Yes. And we do that in exchange for the markup, you get peace of mind. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, if attorney generals dig your deep or, uh, and, and look at this product and compare it to other products out there uh, that, that are doing this, you know, similar products or services, they'll see it's like, okay, maybe you miss or Mr. Attorney General when use this, but a lot of people find it useful. What can you tell me about your general impressions of the, the Feta brothers? You know, one of my regrets in this series is that I, I wasn't able to connect with them and I wish I had been because, you know, I'm even hearing stuff from you that I would have loved to hear from them, certainly. But uh, what can you tell us about sort of who they are, what motivates them, what what their entrepreneurial um, spirit has, uh, what directions that's gone in? Well, it's, uh, I can't remember which brother, uh, I want to say it's Steve, uh, used to own the three Reno's bars in the Metro Lansing area. And you, you covered mm-hmm. how they've had a number of businesses. And actually, a mandatory poster came from uh, an idea when he was washing his hands one day in his restaurant. And he wondered why they had the poster. And so he started looking into it and said, you know, uh, that, that might be a place where we can make money, employ some of our family members, and, and grow our businesses. And, and that's really who they are. They, uh, they're ventures, uh, they're risk takers. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, they would tell you that they provide products uh, that have value. Now, uh, a bar, some people may not think a bar, you know, or a restaurant is a great product to offer. Uh, but, you know, another people may be suspicious of real estate brokers and they were in real estate. Uh, and that's okay, you know, uh, and that's how they feel about it. But they, they have much like they did at Reno's, they have many happy customers at ANS, a mandatory poster, and they're just focused on taking care of those folks. So that truly was the most insight I've gotten from somebody connected to the Fedas. But Mike wasn't the only person I heard from. I asked you to reach out if this sounded familiar, and I heard from a lot of you. I'm going to play a few of those excerpts, but first, I want you to know that the companies I focused on, the Mandatory Poster Agency, LLPS Inc., and ANS Inc., aren't the only companies offering posters like this. Here's what Troy Baker of the Better Business Bureau serving Western Michigan told me at the outset of my reporting on this. So I will say there are a lot of these types of businesses out there. It is not just the FADAs. There are a lot of businesses out there more and more that are sending these mailings uh, with a disclaimer that do confuse businesses into thinking that it's a requirement of some kind um, to do. So a lot of people had tossed the solicitations they'd gotten or couldn't remember who they had paid. Others still had some paperwork and found a different company's name at the bottom. Here are two people I spoke with generally about their experiences with these types of solicitations, not necessarily from the companies controlled by the Feta brothers. Teresa Angelini and her husband run an architecture firm in Ann Arbor and have been buying posters from a poster solicitation company for years. And for years, they've been annoyed by the sales tactics. 
She estimates she gets a mailing per month from companies selling workplace posters, plus phone calls, even though she's only purchased once a year. I'm interested that you started looking into this because it just is such a strange annoyance. And it's so minor and petty, but it just seems like it's just an irritant. People I spoke with who purchased these types of posters from various companies weren't aware they were usually available for free through the government. For many, what they paid for posters wasn't a budget buster, but the principle and the solicitation tactics were bothersome. Edwin Weston volunteered at Eastwood United Methodist Church in Flint a few years ago and unwittingly bought a set of workplace posters he's not sure from which company. I got a letter, uh, trustee, but I did a lot of administrating also. It said I should, I need this poster up to show labor laws and stuff. And I thought, we don't have anybody here doing anything anymore except the pastor. Really. So I can't. I don't remember if I called them or what, but anyway, I was convinced I needed one. None of the other churches have gotten these letters, which kind of made me suspicious, but I ordered it anyway. After a flubbed delivery and trouble getting the church's money back, Edwin realized the mailing hadn't come from the government. He said he wouldn't have a problem with these types of solicitations if they made it clear from the beginning that their products weren't required and that they weren't a government agency. But they probably wouldn't make as much money if they did, he said. As it is, he said, It might be illegal, but it's not ethical, I'll put it that way. And in a lot of ways, that's how the story of the Fader Brothers companies rubs people the wrong way. The companies seem to fit solidly in some kind of gray area. They aren't curing cancer, but they aren't illegal. They occupy a space everybody from regular people to state regulators to law enforcement officials struggle to categorize. And maybe, after more than a year of looking into this, I'm ready to land in that gray area too. After all, categorization isn't mandatory. A big thank you to MLive.com lead producer Jessica Shepard for helping form the direction of this podcast and making it sound good, even when I handed her cell phone recordings. (laughs) Thanks to statewide editor Sarah Scott for helping me organize the storytelling in this series, uh, Rich Bernstein for keeping me in the lane lines, and Kelly Frick for the latitude to fully realize a non-print story. The best way to support Mandatory is by rating and reviewing it wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps us get into more homes and headphones, only takes a moment of your time, and I'd really appreciate it. (laughs) And the best way to support our quality journalism in podcasts, print, and online is by subscribing to MLive.com. Thanks for listening.